Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page a Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 207. Part 2. My Ainsel. Chapter 9. Not to mention mythic creatures in the rubble. Wendy Cope, a policeman's lot. As they drove out of Illinois late that evening, Shadow asked Wednesday his first question. He saw the Welcome to Wisconsin sign and said, So, who were the bunch that grabbed me in the parking lot, Mr. Wood and Mr. Stone? Who were they? The lights of the car illuminated the winter landscape. Wednesday had announced that they were not to take freeways because he didn't know whose side the freeways were on, so Shadow was sticking to back roads. He didn't mind. He wasn't even sure that Wednesday was crazy. Wednesday grunted, Just spooks, members of the opposition, black hats. I think, said Shadow, that they think they're the white hats. Of course they do. There's never been a true war that wasn't fought between two sets of people who were certain that they were in the right. The really dangerous people believe that they are doing whatever they are doing solely and only because it is without question the right thing to do, and that is what makes them dangerous. And you, asked Shadow, why are you doing what you're doing? Because I want to, said Wednesday, and then he grinned. So that's all right. Shadow said, how did you all get away? Or did you all get away? We did, said Wednesday, although it was a close thing. If they'd not stopped to grab you, they might have taken the lot of us. It convinced several of the people who had been sitting on the fence that I might not be completely crazy. And that's our page. We finally get to part two of the novel, entitled My Ainsel. If you remember, the first part of the novel was Shadows, and that was as much our main character as it was the moments of confusion and loss that Shadow was in the middle of. In this part of the novel, Shadow will start coming out of the shadows he's been in, within his mind at least, but he'll actually spend a good portion of this part of the novel in hiding. But first, my Ainsel. This is partially because Shadow will be assuming the name Mike Ainsel in a little over a week, reading time at least, but it's also a reference to a really old folktale from a medieval kingdom known as Northumbra, which was the northern England, southeast Scotland sort of area. The tale itself is actually similar to the portion of the Odyssey where Odysseus outsmarts the Cyclops Polyphemus by referring to himself as nobody, so that when Polyphemus starts bellowing that nobody poked him in the eye, the rest of the Cyclopes don't really care. In the uh, tale that gives us Ainsel, however, a young boy refuses to go to bed, so his mother goes to bed and leaves him in front of the fireplace as the fire slowly burns down to coals and ashes. Suddenly, a young fairy girl comes down and says that her name is My Own Self. In the original dialect, though, it's closer to My Ainsel. And the boy states that his name is My Own Self as well, because fairies can do evil to you if they know your true name, of course. The children play for a bit, and then the boy kicks up a spark accidentally, and it burns the fairy ghost's foot. A voice calls down the chimney, asking what's wrong, and the fairy girl says, My Own Self burned My, own self burned my foot and the voice reprimands the fairy girl for burning herself. At this point, a long arm reaches down the chimney and collects the fairy child, and the boy is so scared that he listens to his mother in the future and goes to bed when she says, because, quote, he might not get off quite so easily the next time. The quote at the start of the chapter is from English poet Wendy Cope from her poem A Policeman's Lot. The poem itself is a short tale about a policeman who has gone from patrolling the streets to patrolling the imagination of a writer. In the poem itself, it's poet and known asshole Ted Hughes. And that seems to be somewhat what the new gods are involved in. Media is all about the passive consumption, but not about creation itself. 
And though we're not given an exact idea of the new god's plan at this point beyond defeat the old gods and have monopoly on worship, they certainly seem to be more on the side of control and conformity, at least if we're supposed to believe Shadow's internal monologue back on page 157 after he met Media for the first time. Though I don't actually know that there's anything really that specific about controlling the imagination within the novel. That's more of a Grant Morrison idea, maybe Doom Patrol sort of thing. Though the mythical creatures in the rubble, well, there's Sweeney and the djinn so far. The djinn is on the run, Sweeney's dead. And many of the old gods themselves who are going to be caught up in the storm, but in the war between the old and the new. Holy hell, we haven't even discussed the page yet. So, do you ever notice really bad cuts in movies where characters drive all day and then suddenly it's nighttime and the main character asks the supporting character a question? I'm thinking of the Garbage Pail Kids in this particular case, but if you don't know the Garbage Pail Kids movie, then good. But this is what this is here. Shadows hadn't really come up with any questions in, what, I think it's like six hours when I looked it up before to go from Cairo to the Wisconsin border. I guess, you know, getting blackout drunk with a dead leprechaun, you might want a bit of time to think it over too, though. Most impressive, though, was what I realized, how little Wednesday has really told Shadow up to this point. He said maybe one or two sentences about the technical boy after Shadow was abducted, and otherwise he's pretty elusive and vague. And even within that own scene, he was pretty elusive and vague about the technical boy as well. Here, though, they're not any particular group. They're spooks. They're members of the opposition. Wednesday always knows more than what he lets on, and this is no different. He doesn't have those two ravens for nothing, after all. For all his vagaries, however, he is quite wise here. Nothing is more dangerous than people who are convinced without a shadow of a doubt that they are right, and nothing will sway them from the path. Hello, anti-vaxxers. Wednesday also insists that he doesn't share this conviction, which is quite obviously bullshit, especially with the grin he gives Shadow. But as we'll see throughout the novel, Shadow pretty much brushes the stuff aside and brushes it away and doesn't acknowledge it. He isn't paid to ask questions, after all. Shadow does ask one pertinent question. Did everyone get away? Wednesday answers in the affirmative and also straight up says that the whole thing worked well to his advantage, which, well, it's a bit suspicious. Just keep an eye on Wednesday. Get in touch with the show at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. Thank you to Julian Granganage for the use of his version of St. James Infirmary Blues as the show's theme. And thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real.